When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. The Bay Area has a rich diversity of churches and ministries that serve the community in Jesus' name. And here at KFAX, we love to shine a spotlight onto the great things God is doing through the kingdom work of pastors and ministry leaders. We feature a sermon or presentation from that leader to get you better acquainted with churches who will welcome you to worship, and ministry opportunities that invite your involvement. Hello and welcome to the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX. Today we are very pleased to have Pastor Leighton Sheely of the Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Church of the Highlands has been serving the San Francisco Bay Area for more than 50 years and provides many ministries for men, women, youth, children, singles, marrieds, families, and seniors. It's also home of Highlands Christian Schools, providing quality education for children ages 18 months through high school. The founding pastor of Church of the Highlands was Donald Sheely, and Pastor Don Sheely can still be heard weekday mornings at 6.30. For 20 years, his show Daybreak has aired on AM 1100 KFAX. You can also hear his son, Pastor Leighton Sheely, heard on his show Study Verse by Verse weeknights at 7.45. Along with Leighton, Pastor Don Sheely also is the father of two other pastors, Pastor Cabot and Pastor Carlton. Find out more about the Church of the Highlands at their website, churchofthehighlands.org. And now the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message with Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'd like to invite you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 23. Well, we're looking at this 23rd Psalm today, and it is uh, probably the most popular and beloved of all of the Psalms. The Baptist preacher, uh, Charles Spadden, said is the pearl of of Psalms. Uh, Many have memorized, millions have memorized it. Ministers have used it to comfort people going through difficult times, illness, even facing death. For some, it's been the last words that were uttered from their lips before they passed from this world into, into the next. Now, it was originally written to... Uh, people who were nomadic. They were nomads. And they understood nature. But many people today, including us, we come from urban and suburban man-made environments. And so much of the truth that is taught in God's Word is lost upon us because we're not familiar with things like sheep and soil and uh, grapes and wheat and so forth. But Jesus oftentimes used natural phenomena to explain the supernatural when He taught, uh, such as, for instance, in His parables. So to understand this passage better, we we are most thankful for the uh, work of Dr. Philip Keller. Dr. Keller, he's a a pastor and an author. He was a scientist. And uh, for eight years, he himself was a shepherd. And it was out of that experience that he wrote a book entitled, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm which is perhaps the finest modern commentary on this psalm, Psalm 23. It's available, by the way, on Amazon. And uh, Dr. F- uh, Keller wrote several other books. I, I had an opportunity to read the one on a, a sheepdog, and I found it an incredibly wonderful uh, devotional. And so I want to encourage you to uh, look at the work of Dr. Keller. Well, let me read it for you. 
It reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is a masterpiece. It's only six verses long, yet it contains so much profound insight. Uh, One outline that I came across that's very helpful is... Dividing it into, into, into two parts. The first three verses talks about the shepherd's provision. The last three talk about the shepherd's protection. Provision, protection. It begins with the words, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the Lord. Now the Lord is an English translation of the Old Testament name for God, which was uh, introduced in Exodus chapter 3 in the conversation between God and Moses. The name literally means, I am who I am. It refers both to God's timelessness as well as His self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency means that God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need any wisdom. Hey God, let me help you with that. He doesn't need any help. Uh, He's not accountable to anyone. He answers only to Himself. These are the privileges of being God. Timelessness means that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as it says in Hebrews. He said in the Old Testament, I am the Lord, I change not. Now, the Lord Yahweh also evokes images of His provision and protection because of the covenants He has made, the promises that He has made to take care of His people, and how He has revealed Himself to be full of love and compassion, patience, fidelity, and forgiveness. The Lord is my shepherd, my shepherd, a shepherd. So the other side of this amazing combination of ideas is the word shepherd. Now in Israel, as in other ancient societies, a shepherd was considered the lowest of all work. And if a family needed a shepherd, it was given to the youngest son, like David, who got this unpleasant assignment. You see, shepherds had to live with their sheep 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, winter, summer, foul weather and fair, cold and heat in order to nourish, guide and protect the sheep. Now who in his right mind would choose to be a shepherd? Well God did. God has chosen to be our shepherd. And so what David is saying here in the Psalms, the great God has stooped to be a shepherd to you and me. And Jesus, who is God incarnate, used that metaphor to not only identify himself as the great I am, but to also assume the responsibility of being our shepherd. He said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when the, he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, sheep don't just take care of themselves, as some might presume. In fact, more than any other class of livestock, they require endless attention and meticulous care. And it's no accident that God has chosen to call us sheep. There's a lot that humans and sheep have in common. We have mob instincts. We are easily uh, uh, filled with uh, fears and timidity, stubbornness and stupidity. And uh, we've got uh, some uh, habits uh, that are characteristic of sheep. In other words, when Jesus calls us the sheep of his pasture, it is not a compliment. Now, despite these adverse characteristics, Jesus chooses us, he buys us, calls us by name, makes us his own, and delights in caring for us. And the entire poem here goes on to recount the manner in which this good shepherd spares no pains for the welfare of his sheep. So it's little wonder that the shepherd, the poet, took pride in belonging to the good shepherd. And it's really a a tragic truth that there are many people who have never come under the Good Shepherd's direction or management who claim the Lord is my shepherd. They seem to presume that merely by claiming him as their shepherd, they're going to somehow or other enjoy the benefits of his care and management without forfeiting their fickle and foolish ways of life. Now, David, he knows well how to care for sheep, and so he powerfully and gracefully applies this metaphor to his relationship with God and to ours. He says, I shall not want. Now, the word want here has a broader meaning than what at first might be imagined. It is talking about not lacking for what is needed, and sometimes we confuse what we need with what we want. But God knows the difference of what we want and what we need. And he always provides what we we need. But there's a second emphasis here as well. And that is the idea of being content in the good shepherd's care and not craving or desiring anything more. See, among sheep, even though a good shepherd provides his flock with rich grass and clean water, there's always some sheep who are not satisfied. And they roam away looking for satisfaction Elsewhere, The Apostle Paul wrote, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Content. Contentment is a hallmark of a person who has chosen to be completely satisfied with the good shepherd's management of their life. It's absurd to think that this statement is a, a promise that any child of God will never experience a lack of. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. There's a false teaching that is very common and popular today that prosperity is a mark of God's blessing upon a life. But that's not necessarily true. In fact, we find this warning in Revelation 3.17. It says, you say I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So wealth isn't necessarily indicative of being under God's blessing. He said, I shall not want. Well, what is it that we shall not want if we're in the care of the Good Shepherd? Well, verses 2 through 6 answer that question. He says, he makes me to lie down 
in green pastures. I want you to note, circle, underline the words, lie down. It's interesting that the psalm begins at this point, because we might expect it to begin talking about some kind of activity or motion, either on the part of the shepherd or the sheep, but it begins with rest. And it's a reminder that as Christians, our life with Christ begins with resting in Christ. Now, many of us think, well, we can't please God unless we're doing something, busy doing something. But that's not true. Now, along the way, there's going to be things for us to do. But we begin by resting in Him who has done everything for us. It begins with resting. Philip Keller wrote, sheep do not lie down easily. In fact, it's almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. Four requirements. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free of all fear. And because of the social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. And if tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when they're free of these pests can they relax. And then lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. So let's look briefly at each of these four things. First, they need a freedom from, from fear. Now, when we were in Israel, our bus was driving along and happened upon a shepherd who was caring for his remarkably large flock, about 400 sheep. And so we pulled aside and got out of the bus and started shooting pictures. And the shepherd turned around. It was a little disappointing. He was on a cell phone. But, uh, but he invited us to come on over and have a conversation. So some of the people in our group went and had a conversation. One of the people in our group was a little late on that, looked up, saw the conversation, wanted to join in, ran down the hill. Not a good idea. 400 sheep stampeded in various directions. So that was the end of the, uh, the conversation with the shepherd because he had to go and collect his, his sheep. But sheep are easily panicked by fear, and so are humans. And we live in a world that's full of, of hazards, and we don't know what each new day is going to bring. One, and, and it's often the fear of the unknown that produces the greatest panic, and our impulse is to run. But if we are aware that we are in the, the constant care of the Great Shepherd, our natural insecurities are much reduced. In fact, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, self-control there, or a sound and disciplined mind, describes a mind that is at ease, at peace, that is not harassed by fears like fears of the future. And then secondly, the sheep need to be free of friction. You see, in every animal society, there's a order of dominance or status within the group. In a, in a chicken pen, it's called the pecking order. And amongst sheep is called the budding order. And there's this continual contention that takes place between the sheep in order to either retain or advance themselves in this order. But when the sheep become aware of the presence of the shepherd, this contention ceases. Now there are budding orders and pecking orders among humans as well. And that can even take place in a church, and I certainly would hope that it would not. But when we become aware of the presence of the good shepherd... Our foolish, selfish rivalry should end. Thirdly, freedom from flies. You see, during summer especially, sheep can be driven to distraction by nasal flies, bot flies, warble flies, and ticks. And these, they're, when they're tormented by these little pests, it is impossible for the sheep to lie down and rest. They're up there on their feet. They're stamping their feet. They're running around. They're in continual motion. I, I want to talk about more about it later. But likewise for us... 
In life, we can be exposed to little irritants that drive us to distraction. In fact, we call it being bugged. We're bugged by these things. And uh, a good shepherd is always being attentive to, the, to his sheep. And he's armed with various types of insect repellents and medicines. And one of the medicines in, that he uses is oil. And as scripture, oil represents or symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And it's the presence in the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings relief and healing from the irritations that affect us. When we come to him with some dilemma or difficulty, he comes to our aid. And then free from famine. You see, a hungry sheep is always on its feet looking for food. They're never content. And uh, since humans are both physical as well as spiritual, we need to not only feed ourselves physically, we also need to feed ourselves spiritually as well. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so God has graciously given us his word and he promises us that if we eat on it, if we feed on it daily, we won't be hungry. So there's fear, friction, flies, famine. And sheep must be free of each of these in order to be content. And as Keller notes, only the shepherd can provide trust, peace, deliverance, and pasture that is needed to bring relief for the sheep. It says, he leads me beside the still waters. Still waters do not flow. And uh, stagnant water can become contaminated with disease that causes sickness and death. The purest water comes from flowing streams. The problem is, is sheep are afraid of running water. And so what the, a good shepherd will do is he will dig a trench perpendicular to the stream into which flows this pure life-giving water. And the sheep can drink from that water without uh, fear. You see, everything depends upon the diligence and the work of the shepherd. Now, godless people thirst for many things. They thirst for prosperity, prestige, power. And unfortunately, oftentimes, Christians follow the crowd. But the psalmist wrote in chapter 42, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee, O Lord. You see, it's only a personal relationship with Almighty God that can bring true satisfaction to the soul. And speaking of the soul, Psalm 23 continues, He restores my soul. Now what Philip, Philip Keller explains is that there's something that happens among sheep. and as Sheep can become cast or cast down. And what happens is, is as the fleece grows, it can be filled with all kinds of mud and dirt and purity. Actually, a fleece is only about eight pounds uh, on a typical sheep, but it can be a lot more than that when it's filled with stuff. Uh, I found out that it, uh, uh, a typical fleece from a typical sheep can actually be spun into yarn over 100 miles long. And so it can collect all kinds of stuff. And what will happen is a sheep will lay down and stretch its legs. And if it's, if it's not stationary, it can roll over on its back. And uh, it gets panicky. It starts to, to, uh, to, to paw the air. And gases can build up and cut off the circulation to the leg and legs. And, 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 it, and a sheep can actually die within just a few hours of being cast down. And the only one who can help a cast down sheep is the shepherd. It's only the shepherd. 
And so the shepherd is always paying attention for sheep that are cast down. And when he sees a sheep that's cast down, he lifts it up and he puts the sheep between his legs and he massages life back into those scrawny little legs. And uh, until the the sheep is able to stand up and, and walk on its own, and if the sheep is slow to recover, then the shepherd will put the sheep on his, on his shoulders and carry it until health returns. And sometimes we are like cast sheep. Uh, we roll over spiritually on our backs and we can't help ourselves. We've gotten caught up in some kind of sin that is a besetting sin. And, and uh, we need help. And only the help we can get is from the shepherd. And when we call upon the shepherd, he hears us and he gets us up on our feet and going again. Luke chapter 15, Jesus said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. That's why in our church, when somebody comes to a knowledge of the Lord as their Savior, we have a celebration because it's, that's what's taking place in heaven. Now, there are some people who think that when a, when a child of God falls over and gets cast down, that God's disgusted with them. That's not the case at all. The good shepherd is always alert to and paying attention to sheep that are cast down. And when he hears the bleeding, when he sees the sign, he responds immediately. When you call out to God, He hears your cry, and He does not abandon those who are cast down. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I want you to note, circle, underline the words, lead me. Oriental shepherds and the shepherds of the Middle East don't drive the flock, but go out and lead them. And we mentioned it before, sheep are, are foolish, they're stupid. In fact, they're so stupid that they get lost. And they're so stupid that when they're lost, they don't know they're lost. <laughs> you know, they're, they're just, a, a good shepherd can bring them to the best grazing lands and an abundant supply of fresh, clean water. And they'll still wander away into fields that are barren and drink water that is undrinkable. They're, and they're creatures of habit. They will follow the same paths until the paths become ruts. And they'll graze the same fields and and they'll eat the leaf off. When the leaf's gone, they'll eat the stem. When the stem's gone, they'll eat the root. When the root's gone, they'll eat the dirt. They're just creatures of habit. And, uh, you know, we humans are similar. We get comfortable in our ways. Uh, But the Good Shepherd keeps us on the move because it's necessary for our health and our growth. And if you have not stepped outside your comfort zone, you're not growing. You know, if you've been coming to church and sitting in a chair because it's comfortable, you need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to step out in faith. You need to follow the leading of the Good Shepherd. You need to find a ministry, the ministry that He has designed you to do. It's the right thing to do. Ephesians chapter 4 says He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists. Yeah, you just give each other encouragement on that. It's the right thing to do. Ephesians 4 says he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, the pastors. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's the saints that do the ministry, not the pastors. The pastors are here to equip the saints for ministry. Who's a saint? 
Some of you might say, well, that's a dead believer, isn't it? Somebody that's... No. How do we know that? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians, and it was addressed to the saints who were in Ephesus. Dead people don't read. Why would he need to write something to a dead people? He's not writing to dead people. He is writing to living believers who are faithful in Christ Jesus. It's the saints, the believers, who do the work of ministry. You need to be involved in a ministry, the ministry that he has designed you to do. And then when you get involved, you need to find somebody else to train and work yourself out of a job. Why? Because you will never run out of work in the kingdom. There will always be something else to do. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, oftentimes this verse is used to comfort those who are passing away. And it's not wrongly used, but it primarily speaks of the shepherd's ability to protect his sheep in times of danger. Philip Keller points out that there is a seasonal passage from the lowlands where the sheep spend the winter to the highlands where they spend the summer. And in that they go through ravines and uh, crevices. And the valley of the shadow of death is a ravine that is overhung with high cliffs that are filled with caves and crevices in which are the abodes of wild beasts of prey. And it's oftentimes necessary for the shepherd to lead his flock through these wadis and ravines. And it's a perilous journey, not only for the sheep, but for the shepherd. In fact, it's a little known fact that one of the most dangerous jobs is that of being a shepherd. And that there are many shepherds that lose their life protecting their sheep. And since they're deep ravines, the sun doesn't shine into them as well. And there are shadows. And in those shadows can lurk beasts of prey that want to bring death. They become shadows of death. Now, it's important for us to understand that being in a shadow of death is as much a part of God's right path as being in the green pastures and beside the quiet waters. That we're not called to always live a tranquil life or a mountaintop experience. That sometimes God brings us through valleys, through times of trial and danger. In which we personally experience the presence and reality and faithfulness of God in a way that we can't if we don't go through those times. We never are so conscious of the presence of God as when we pass through those dark valleys of life. Now, some commentators have noted that here in the psalm, He is replaced by you. It says, He makes me lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters. He guides me. Now it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's gone from talking about God, his shepherd, to talking to God, his shepherd. And the shepherd's care is symbolized by the rod and the staff. The rod was used by shepherds to club down wild animals. And they could also throw them with great accuracy as well. And a staff is related to what we might think of as a shepherd's crook. And it was used to tend the sheep. And sometimes a little baby, a lamb, would be separated from its mom. And the shepherd would use the shepherd's crook to lift the little one up and carry it to its mom. So that he wouldn't put his hands on the little one. Because sometimes the odor of his hands would make the mom reject the little lamb. And so the rod and the staff represent God's constant vigilance, his protection, and his provision. He not only leads the sheep, he also defends them. 
And some have observed that the rod speaks of God's word, his authority and his will that is revealed. And the staff is emblematic of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you prepare a table before me. I used to think it was like a table with four legs and chairs around. That's the way I, I pictured it. Actually, a table is a reference to the high plateaus where sheep uh, spend their summer. In fact, the Spanish word for uh, plateau is mesa, which means table. And so uh, before the shepherd would move his flock to the, to the high plateau, he would prepare the way before them. He would go up and he'd put salt and minerals along the path and in various places he'd, he'd look to find the places that he wanted to uh, put his camp so that the sheep would be protected. He looked at uh, the water and, and found out where it was good and where it was not. He looked at the, uh, the, the forage and, and found out where it was, it was healthy and if there was poisonous weeds he'd remove them if he could or direct the path of the sheep around them. If it was poison water uh, he would take care of that. And, and the, the parallel in our Christian life is so very clear because we, like sheep, have a tendency to want to experience everything that comes across our path. And, uh, and, and so what, what he does is he goes before us and he clears things that would have otherwise caused us uh, great injury. He is preparing a table before us. That doesn't mean that we still can't wander off and find ourselves in trouble, but he is the good shepherd who prepares a table before us. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, in the uh, high tablelands of summer pasture, there were many predators. There were wolves and cougars, mountain lions, and bears. And they were there, and the shepherd wanted to protect his sheep you know, until about 300 A.D., 300 years after Christ, these tablelands contained lions and bears. In fact, if you read First Samuel chapter 17, it tells the story of David killing Goliath, the giant. And before that event takes place, David is having a conversation with King Saul. And King Saul said, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him, for you're only a boy and he's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So they were home to lions and bears, and that was true until about 300 A.D. because the Colosseum sports of the Roman Empire had such a demand upon the populations of lions and bears that they annihilated those populations from the Middle East and the northern part of Africa by around 300 A.D. Lions and bears like sheep for lunch. They like sheep for lunch. Now, you know, they're enemies. Um, we all have enemies. You've had them. I've had them. People who out of envy or desire for personal gain uh, steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes through rumors and lies. And we fear these enemies. But we also have another enemy as well. Uh, the Apostle Peter said, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. And so we always need to be on alert 
Because uh, there's three places we have to pay attention to. First off, it's the spiritual realm, the schemes of the devil. The second one is the physical realm. Not only our physical enemies, but also the effects of culture upon us as well. And the third one is the sin that resides in our flesh that uh, Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 7. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now we had mentioned earlier about how the shepherd carries with him uh, oil. And that oil must be applied several times, many times throughout the season in order to preserve the health and contentedness of the sheep. And as we mentioned earlier, also the oil is, uh, can be indicative of the Holy Spirit. And so we also need to be anointed continuously by the Holy Spirit in order to experience health and contentedness. Now there's also, uh, oil also uh, treats a highly contagious disease among sheep that's called scab. And uh, scab, uh, sheep love to rub their heads together, not only when they're uh, fighting, but also to express affection as well. And so uh, often scab is found on the heads because that's where they meet. And it's oil that is used to treat the scab. And one application is obvious, and that is that when we get our heads together uh, with someone who does not have the mind of Christ, we might come away with concepts and thoughts that are not Christian. We come away contaminated. And as a fresh anointing of the head with oil treats scab in sheep, likewise a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit reduces the effects of thought contamination in believers. He says, my cup runneth over, my cup overflows. Now we've been talking about summer, now we're talking about winter. And in winter these sheep are out and uh, it's cold and it's wet and they're, and they're freezing. And uh, a good shepherd's paying attention to signs. And uh, when he sees a sheep that's in distress, he will, he will go and he will share his wine. He'll put it with a little water. He'll, he'll uh, share it with, uh, with the little one. And, uh, and the little one goes away happy. The lamb goes away happy. So um, their circumstances haven't changed. But the effects are not experienced. Now, this cup has been likened to the wine of communion that represents the blood of Christ shed on the cross to cover our sin. And when we partake of the wine, our circumstances do not change. We still sin, we still make mistakes, and so forth. But the effects are not experienced. My cup overflows. He keeps flowing, keeps flowing, keeps flowing. It says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. Now, emphasis has been put on his provision and protection, and he now sums this all up in one simple, profound statement. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. When I fail him, which I do every day, his goodness and mercy are new every morning. His goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And just as we experience the goodness and mercy of God, we need to share that generously with others. We need to be good and merciful to others. This is not a declaration 
that all things will always go well. We know that they won't. You know, um, but we do have this promise that all things work together for good. Good, bad, ugly. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. And so it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, our good shepherd has gone to prepare a place for us. He said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you will be where I am. Some people think God doesn't like us. God doesn't like me. That is not true. That is not true at all. In fact, in John 17, 24, Jesus said, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. He wants us to be where he is. He wants to be with us. He wants us to want to be with him. And so we have here in this Psalm, Psalm 23, the revelation of God's provision and his protection. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he wasn't speaking metaphorically. He wasn't speaking figuratively. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us, of us all. And so what Jesus did is he, he went to Calvary with our sin and paid the wages of our sin so that we could be free from sin's bondage and eternal judgment. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. So the question for us today is, is Christ really my shepherd? Is Christ really my shepherd? Do I really belong to him? Do I really recognize his right to me? Do I respond to his authority? Do I acknowledge his ownership? Do I find freedom and fulfillment and contentment in him? Do I sense purpose because I'm in his direction? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? I want to take just a moment, invite you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes, because there might be some among us today who... The, the Holy Spirit, the Lord has been, has been I'll, I say, talking with you. I'm not necessarily speaking in verbal words, but there's something going on. There's inside, and you said, man, I, this, is, this is good. This is really good. I didn't know that God was this good. I want to be part of his flock. I want him to be my shepherd. And with the heads bowed and the eyes closed, I want to give you just a moment to invite you to make a decision today. To raise your hand, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward or anything, just to raise your hand, and you're raising it to the Lord. You're saying, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. We have some with us today. Amen. 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 You can put your hands down. Lord, you've seen the hands, you know the hearts. Lord, we are sheep. And we are desperately in need of a good shepherd. And you are a good shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, providing for us, protecting us, for saving us from our sin, for adopting us into your family, for giving us a purpose in life, 
for giving us hope when life has run its course, that we will spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord. This is good news. And we are surrounded by people who need and want to hear good news. They want to know this good news. And so, Lord, we ask you to repair their hearts and to bring them across our path this week and to prompt us to open our mouth. And Lord, when we do, we ask you to put your words in our mouth for that person. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done for us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Leighton Sheely of the Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the KFAX Ministry of the Week Sunday message. Find out more about today's speaker at the website, churchofthehighlands.org, or at our website, kfax.com, where you can also find links to podcasts of this program. I'm Mike Matthews. Join us here again next week for the Ministry of the Week Sunday message on AM 1100 KFAX. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.